MSW Media. Hey everyone, it's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Today, Rudy Giuliani gets a target letter from the Fulton County District Attorney in her investigation into the 2020 election interference. Eric Hirschman has been subpoenaed by a federal grand jury in the Department of Justice investigation into Jeffrey Clark. The Department of Justice has filed a motion to keep the Trump warrant affidavit under seal. A judge rules that Lindsey Graham must testify in the Fulton County DA probe. Weisselberg appears to have reached a non-cooperation plea deal with the Manhattan District Attorney. Trump's Truth Social must hand over employment information on Devin Nunes as part of his defamation suit against the media. And a Team Trump lawyer copied sensitive data from Georgia election systems. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. <laughs> dude, dude, um, that intro... I can't imagine 30 years from now, somebody hearing that and just not going like, what the fuck was going on in America? Oh, my God. Totally. I have to tell you the funniest thing, though, during this, because Devin Nunes came up. So basically, I tweeted a long time ago, January 10th, 2021. I said Nunes was on television saying Republicans have no way to communicate with the public now. Why are these GOP men so painfully stupid? And so... A friend of mine texted me and she said that she was applying for a job. <laughs> and in the background check, it got flagged. And apparently anyone who uh, who had anything to do with liking this tweet was also flagged. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, whoops, apparently my tweet was flagged for harassment. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Oops. So anyway, I thought that was funny just because Nunes came up in the news again today that apparently so was my tweet was flagged for harassment. Like for that, could you imagine how snowflakey someone had to have been? Was like that hurt my feelings. It was probably Nunes himself. It was probably Devin. He yeah. sees fake cows on Twitter. Who's a friend of mine, Devin Nunes's cow, by the way, who yeah. also tweeted today that a latest SEC filing shows that Truth Social lost fifty nine million dollars. And of course, uh, Devin Nunes's cow just posted a picture of money tumbling through a dryer. So, uh, nice. as in money laundering operation, $59 million in the hole. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I can't believe this. Yeah. It's only Monday, AG. It's only Monday. And according to the Times, Weisselberg is nearing a plea deal with prosecutors from the Manhattan DA's office, but will not cooperate with the broader investigation into Donald. That's according to one person with knowledge of the matter, who also said Weisselberg was expected to receive a five-month prison sentence, unexpectedly favorable outcome for him. Now, Andrew Weissman says 
I was like, this is bullshit, you know. But Andrew Weissman says, actually, this could force the Trump organization to face trial all by its lonesome. And it could actually permit the D.A., to put Weisselberg in front of the grand jury to testify, as we know, in a New York grand jury, if you testify before a New York grand jury, you're, you're given immunity. But if he takes a plea deal and agrees to do five months in prison, he would be given that immunity in, in exchange for his testimony, but still have to serve his, his prison sentence. So I, I'm not quite sure what the play is here on its face. It seems like a bunch of bullshit, but we'll find out what they're what they're looking at, because that investigation, even though Dunn and Pomerantz resigned in protest, you know, many, many months ago, back in January or February or March, early on in the year, the investigation remains ongoing. And, and I actually do know a couple of people who were brought in and asked questions from an insurance company that was underwriting Trump's insurance policies. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I don't like All it. All right. Uh, we have a lot of news. That, what, that, that's just in the intro. We have actual other news to get to. So <laughs> let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Ah. Uh, Lawyers for Rudy Giuliani have been told he is the target of a criminal investigation in Georgia into election interference by Donald Trump and his advisors. That means you're going to get indicted. One of Giuliani's lawyers said in an interview he was notified on Monday. On the same day, a federal judge rejected efforts by another key Trump ally, Senator Lindsey Graham, to avoid having to testify before the special grand jury in Atlanta. Now, Giuliani, who, as Trump's personal lawyer, spearheaded efforts to keep Trump in power, emerged in recent weeks as a central figure in the inquiry being conducted by Fannie Willis. That's the DA of Fulton County, Georgia. Earlier this summer, prosecutors questioned witnesses before the special grand jury about Rudy's appearances before state legislative panels in December of 2020, when he spent hours peddling false conspiracy theories unchecked about secret suitcases of Democratic ballots and corrupted voting machines. For Rudy, former mayor of New York, the developments are the latest in a widening swath of trouble though he got some good news recently when it emerged he was unlikely to face charges in a federal criminal inquiry and his ties to Ukraine during the 2020 presidential campaign. That blows my mind. Rudy is scheduled to appear before the special grand jury on Wednesday at a downtown Atlanta courthouse. His lawyer, Bob Costello, said in the interview that Rudy Giuliani will probably invoke attorney-client privilege if asked questions about his dealings with Donald. If these people think he's going to talk about conversations between him and the president, they're delusional. Uh, <laughs> Costello also represents Bannon, and I think he's also in, under investigation for obstruction of justice. Yep. So I think Costello is delusional if he thinks that crimes can be discussed and then protected by attorney-client privilege. Also, like I guarantee Giuliani wasn't getting paid. And uh, is there any sort of a contract <laughs> that says he's actually his lawyer? Otherwise, he's just a pal talking to a pal. <laughs> his dummies talking to dummies. The rejection of Lindsay's effort to avoid testifying came in a written order from federal district judge court in Atlanta, Lee Martin May. Mr. Graham, who is a Republican of South Carolina, has to testify now on August 23rd. The judge found prosecutors had shown that there is a special need for Mr. Graham's testimony on issues relating to alleged attempts to influence or disrupt the lawful administration of Georgia's 2020 elections. Andrew Torres and I are going to go over that ruling in depth on tomorrow's cleanup on aisle 45 pod. The lawyers for Lindsay have said he was informed by prosecutors that he is a witness, not a target, unlike Rudy. Prosecutors want his testimony for a number of reasons, among them two phone calls he made to Raffensperger in which he inquired about ways to help Trump by invalidating certain mail-in votes. And when they say certain, they mean black ones cast by black people. 
Rudy's post-election activities on Trump's behalf have created problems for him on a number of fronts. The House Committee in Washington investigating January 6th has highlighted video footage of Rudy's activities in Georgia. They say he was drunk as fuck the night of the election. Like he's <laughs> his fate. He shit his face on live television. Uh, I mean, all sorts of things going on uh, with this guy. And, and much of his conduct in Georgia was laid out last year by the New York State Appellate Court that suspended his law license. They issued a 33-page report mentioned that mentioned Georgia 35 times and described numerous false and misleading statements regarding the Georgia presidential election results made by Rudy. They noted, for instance, that he falsely claimed tens of thousands of underage teenagers had voted illegally in Georgia, even though an audit by the Secretary of State found that no one under the age of 18 had voted. No one, not, not one. And as we know, Rudy's also a central figure in the fraudulent electors scheme. And a spokesperson for the Fulton County District Attorney's Office declined to comment on Monday. And in the past, Fani has said the Georgia investigation could result in racketeering or conspiracy charges involving multiple defendants. Now, Norm Eisen, friend, friend of ours and a lawyer who served as special counsel to the House Judiciary during the first impeachment, said he believed identifying Rudy as a target could mean that Trump will eventually be a target, too. They're too intertwined. And Neil Katyal, former Solicitor General, says Rudy is certainly facing indictment and could therefore decide to bite the bullet and cooperate against Donald. The judge presiding over the case today filed a grand jury reporting procedures for security and safety, and he filed those under seal in court. So it appears that this grand jury is at the report drafting stage of the special purpose grand jury investigation. Sounds like a good stage to me. And speaking of grand juries, another federal grand jury investigating the January 6th attack has subpoenaed Trump White House lawyer Eric Hirschman for documents and testimony. And that's according to a person familiar with the matter. Hirschman represented Donald in the former president's first impeachment trial, which went so well, and later joined the White House as a senior advisor. He did not work in the White House counsel's office, but he did provide Trump with legal advice. Now, Hirschman is not the first former Trump White House lawyer to receive a DOJ subpoena. You know, Pat Cipollone, Patsy Baloney, who served <laughs> as White House counsel, and Patrick Philbin, who served as deputy counsel. They've both been subpoenaed. Yeah, the Pats. The Pats, yeah, Pat Square. During the tumultuous final weeks of Trump's term, Hirschman clashed with other aides and advisors who pushed the defeated president to fight the election results. He was also present for many of the most consequential meetings during that time, and among them was high-stakes meeting where most of the Trump Justice Department's top brass threatened to resign rather than work under a colleague who wanted to advance the claims of widespread voter fraud. One of those that left was Barr. Fuck this. I'm out. Hirschman also sparred with Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn, when they urged Donald to have the military seize voting machines. He said no. The January 6th Select Committee has aired numerous portions of his testimony to their panel, which is blunt and sometimes darkly amusing. And I'm sure it is because <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, he's the guy who had the justice bat on his wall with, yes. the, with the 50 shades of gray. Oh, panda. yeah. And uh, also was like, I told him to get a fucking criminal. I told him to get a good criminal attorney. You know, like that's that guy. That's that guy. So I'm sure that the testimony that is fantastic. I would actually like to see it in its totality. And a spokesperson for Hirschman, they declined to comment. The Justice Department declined to comment as well. But that's what's going on now with that story. Yeah, very interesting. That seems like an overt investigatory step that's happening within 90 days of an election. Uh, I know Hirschman's not running for anything, but this is the Trump conspiracy. And Trump isn't running for anything either, but he is endorsing several candidates in the midterms. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of other overt steps Mr. Garland takes. 
The DOJ now has filed a motion with the court to keep the Trump warrant affidavit sealed. The affidavit is the long description of probable cause, usually written by like an FBI agent, like I work for the FBI. My name is this. I swear that this is all true. And here's why. Here's the crimes. Here's what we think happened. Here's the documents we think are down there. Here's how we know. Here's how we have probable cause. That's what the affidavit is. And we usually see those unsealed after charges are brought. Right. And that's that's pretty normal to see that. Now, in this filing, the DOJ says there's so much in this affidavit that we need to be redacted to protect privacy, to protect the innocence of those not yet charged, including the former guy. Remember, Mueller did this, too. That's why he wouldn't say Donald committed obstruction of justice, because he wasn't able to charge Donald. So you can't really accuse an uncharged person of things. It's, it's it violates your constitutional rights. Also, to protect harm to ongoing matters. And to protect national security, because a lot of these documents are super classified. So there would be so many redactions. The DOJ said it would kind of be silly to unseal it. It would just be like you would be wasting. Not to mention the person who's probably the mole. His name is on there or her name is. on Yeah. Yeah. And all the other witnesses and the FBI agent, like all these people could then become, you know, targets for violence. So the DOJ says, though, if, if the court orders it to be unsealed. That's fine. But please allow us to make those appropriate redactions because it would do irreparable harm to their probe. And then they lay out pages and pages of case precedent, you know, case history uh, showing how the, you know, the court usually never unseals these affidavits. The filing does confirm that there's an ongoing criminal national security and law enforcement investigation and that the warrant wasn't simply to claw back the government's documents. Remember how some people were saying this might just be a warrant to get back these super highly classified documents. But no, the DOJ is saying there's there's a rigorous ongoing criminal and national security investigation. The DOJ made this filing because a ton of media organizations have filed to get the affidavit. And the court said, let's consolidate all these media requests into one request. And the DOJ, you can respond to all of them with one filing so you don't have to respond to each one. And you have until August 15th close of business to respond. So this is their response. They want to keep the affidavit sealed, but they also said they're cool with unsealing the cover sheet to the warrant, their motion to file this under seal, and the judge's sealing order. So we could see those. I don't think they'll contain anything new or explosive, but those could be could be unsealed. And also we learned today from the Wall Street Journal, Merrick Garland apparently weighed the Trump search warrant for weeks, which is evidence of, of his deliberateness. He met with top officials. He met with probably that counterintelligence guy, met with the criminal division, you know, leaders, some maybe folks in the FBI. I'm sure he read that affidavit back in front and then finally made the decision to go ahead uh, with a sign off on the search warrant. And by the way, it's of note. Remember when everybody was freaking out, Dana, that um, Garland extended Barr's memo that said, any investigation has to come through me if it's somebody president, vice president, possible, you know, something like that. Yes. This shows that that memo that people were freaking out about isn't stopping him from investigating Trump right. and, and executing search warrants on him. So I just sort of wanted to point that out. That was kind of an unnecessary freak out over the extension of the bar memo. I wish he wouldn't have mentioned bar. He didn't have to mention bar. Right. But. <laughs> Anyway, it, it shows that he's he's willing to to do that. So anyway, that's uh, sort of what's going on with that search warrant stuff. 
<laughs> search warrant stiff. And uh, we're going to another just weird story. I, in my opinion, the beginning of this is, this is the first sentence. I'm going to just read more slowly than usual. A team of computer experts directed by lawyers who were allied with Donald copied sensitive data from election system in Georgia as part of a secretive multi-state effort to access voting equipment that was broader, more organized, and more successful than previously reported. And that is according to emails and other records obtained by the Washington Post. Okay. As they worked to overturn Trump's 2020 election defeat, the lawyers asked a forensic data firm to access county election systems at least three battleground states. And that's according to documents and interviews. The firm charged an upfront retainer fee for each job, which in one case was $26,000. Now, this name's not going to surprise anybody. Sidney Powell sent the team to Michigan to copy a rural, a rural, Jesus, a rural? Rural juror? Yeah. Rural juror? Rural? Yes, the rural juror. The rural. The rural. Ah. All right. Sidney Powell sent the team to Michigan to copy a rural county's election data and later helped arrange for them to do the same in Detroit area. And that's according to records that they have. Detroit. I wonder why Detroit, Allison. Hmm. 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 Yeah. A Trump campaign attorney engaged the team to travel to Nevada. And the day after January 6th attack on the Capitol, the team was in southern Georgia. Huh. I wonder what southern Georgia has in common with Detroit. Copying data from a Dominion voting system in rural Coffee County. The emails and other records were collected through a subpoena issued to the forensics firm, Atlanta-based Sullivan Stickler, by plaintiffs in a long-running lawsuit in federal court over the security of Georgia's voting systems. Now, the documents provide the first confirmation that data from Georgia's election systems was copied. Indications of a breach there in Georgia were first raised by plaintiffs in the case in February. And state officials have said that they are investigating that. Now, this is a quote. The breach is way beyond what we thought. And this is from David D. Cross. He's a lawyer for the plaintiffs who include voting security activists and Georgia voters. So these are the good guys. And went on to say the scope of it is mind blowing. Hmm. Now, a drumbeat of revelations about alleged security breaches in local election offices has grown louder during the nearly two years since the 2020 election, which seems like 45 years ago, <laughs> there's a growing concern among experts that officials sympathetic to Donald's claims of voting rigged could undermine election security in the name of protecting it. I'm sure they're concerned. Now, the federal government classifies voting systems as, quote, critical infrastructure, important to national security, and access to their software and other components is tightly regulated. In several instances, since 2020, officials have taken machines out of service after their chains of custody were disrupted. And that's been a lot we're finding out with all of these stories. State authorities have opened criminal investigations into alleged improper breaches of equipment in Michigan, a case that involves several people who appear in the new records. In Mesa County, Colorado, a local elections official, Republican Tina Peters, who was indicted, indicted on felony charges, including conspiracy to commit criminal impersonation and attempting to influence public servant. In two counties, Sullivan Stickler's examinations were permitted by courts. Though many details surround those efforts, those have not been made public, and the records show how Powell's group discussed and exchanged and paid for election system data. Now, the plaintiffs intend to bring them to the attention of the judge in the case and provide them to the FBI, as well as state and local election authorities in Georgia. In Georgia. That's what Cross told The Post. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Fonnie Willis. Yeah. I need to extend her special grand jury. Yeah. And just real quick, I have to do this. This is a little schadenfreude for you. Yes. Schadenfreude. 
Former President Donald Trump's media and technology company must turn over information about ex-Congressman Devin Nunes' employment as its CEO. And that's from a federal judge ruling on Friday. The ruling stems from a $75 million defamation lawsuit brought by Nunes (laughs) against Hearst Magazine Media Inc. and journalist Ryan Lizza. You remember how whenever these guys sue somebody, we're going to be discovery is going to be lit. Yep. This is one of those times. U.S. Magistrate Judge William Matthewman in West Palm Beach, Florida, ruled that the Trump Media and Technology Corp has 10 days to comply with the defendant's subpoena and provide information regarding Nunez's employment as the CEO. Trump Media owns Truth Social, <laughs> which is under federal criminal investigation. It's so beautiful. All of this is delicious. I hope Nunez I goes to prison. <laughs> Moo. <laughs> oh his God. own fucking lawsuit. His shit's yep. being subpoenaed. Watch him drop it in a minute. He'll be like, nope, dismiss. Case, oh, I don't yeah. want to. I'm good. No, Got other things to do. My bad. He's going to be go like ahead. Homer Simpson just backing into the bushes. <laughs> uh, all right. We have more good news on the way right after this break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. As you know, I used to have a terrible time sleeping, bad sleep problems. And sleep is one of my favorite things. So that really bummed me out. It was a struggle to fall asleep. It was hard to stay asleep. And that was all over the day I ordered my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a two-minute online sleep quiz. Uh, I took it. It matched me with my perfect mattress, the Helix Midnight, because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium-firm bed. And it's such an upgrade from my old mattress. I will never go back. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup now has 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. It was designed for children 3 to 12 years old and has been awarded Best Mattress Winner by Parents Magazine. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. Try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. They'll come and pick it up. It even ships out to you for free, and it's easy to put together. You don't have tools. Uh, you don't need tools at all. It's just, it comes in like three to seven days in the mail. It's awesome. Now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Just head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, adoptable pets in your area, if you want to play What the Mutt, send me a Whoopi story, give a shout out to your spouse, all of that. You can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And if you want tickets to see myself, Midas Touch, Frangela, and Steve Pearson from How We Win, along with Kathy Griffin at Largo in Los Angeles on August 22nd, You can do that by going to HowWeWinLive.com. Every single penny you spend on your ticket goes toward Dem candidates in the midterms who need it the most. First up, Dana from Alice, pronouns she and her. What the fuck? (laughs) Gotta use some of my favorite swears because holy motherfucking shit. Frangela's right. They might as well have a file marked crimes we committed. Holy howling hell and God fuck the devil. Are we going to see orange clashing with orange? Can we send him to Gitmo? He seemed very pro Gitmo when he was talking about other people. 
Holy howling hell and God fuck the devil might be my new favorite. I mean, if we, it's too bad we can't make that the title of the episode because that is fantastic. <laughs> Holy shit. Thank you, Alice, for that. Kicking us off. We've got Patty, pronouns she and her. She's got good news yesterday. My family and I attended the Tchaikovsky extravaganza at the Hollywood mm. Bowl. Joshua Bell performed the violin <gasps> concerto and it was perfect. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, such an amazing night. Perfect weather and appreciative audience and family. Even though the water was $7 a bottle, <laughs> I couldn't have asked for more. It was a few hours of escape from the shit show that you two wonderful ladies report on. And thank you for keeping me laughing and informed. Here we are on a bus and a view from our seats. I love the bus to Hollywood Bowl. I love the bus yeah. to Hollywood Bowl. I always have a little flask of wine because that's, you know, what that's you where do I'm in life. That's where I, I'm you know life. what I really love about this picture of your seats? There's so many kids there to see this Tchaikovsky extravaganza and what a beautiful <sighs> thing to introduce them to. Look at, yeah, look at all the kids and the picnic stuff. I fucking love the Hollywood Bowl so hard. Yeah. I love it there. I love seeing concerts there. It's so absolutely wonderful. The sound is incredible. It's just such a cool, diverse group of people coming there to see Tchaikovsky. That's so, so cool. Thank you for sharing that. Next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hello, fellow Shiros. I have some good news to share. Our little Facebook group, Women Against Matt Gates, is really growing. This was a local movement started right after the fight he picked with Olivia Juliana. I'm adding pictures of the protest and the bridge we painted for your viewing pleasure. It was a great day and lots of protesters. Okay, <laughs> first of all, whoever painted this is actually a really good graffiti artist. <laughs> Hide your daughters, it's election time. Oh my God. Hide your daughters. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is wonderful. Bye-bye, baby. That is a large group, too. That is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Mm. Vote Gates out, Women Against Matt Gates, TikTok motherfucker. I love this group. I love this oh group. Oh my God, look at this next one. I'm going to grab the two if that's okay. But this is from Donna Lou, pronouns she and her. This is my hometown. Here's a picture of the ABQ overpass I thought you might enjoy. And it says, MAGA coward pleads the fifth. <laughs> that's awesome. Fuck yes, 505. Uh, I Let's fucking love America right now. You know, because everybody was like, if you uh, raid my house, if you indict me, we're going to flood the streets with protests. There's nobody. There's like 12 people out front of Mar-a-Lago with huge flags, which I think they carry to make themselves look bigger. Like when my cat gets scared and puffs his tail up. Totally. They're just they're like these huge. And like there was a they were getting ready for some big, you know, will be wild protest uh, from MAGA idiots in in. DC and nobody showed up like but here we have this kind of shit happening all over the country the Matt Gates protests the the, includes the fifth and the 505 this is so cool so good you know what this is the last one why don't you take us out today okay all right next up from Robin pronoun she and her my partner suggested your podcast because I was so distressed by reading and listening to the news she told me about your good news section so I listened and just really dug it my favorite part is the hot takes intro <laughs> Hot notes. Literally snort, giggle, and guffaw every time I hear it. Thank you, Robin. My good news today is that someone hacked into my Netflix account, which I discovered when looking at my list, which had a good deal of older lady lesbian fare on it, <laughs> only to discover the whole list was now dozens and dozens of anime. Oh, my now, God. I like anime just fine, but it's not my go-to. And on top of that, it was a little freaky to see. Contacted Netflix via chat and after nearly quitting the chat because of repeatedly being asked if I'd shared my login. Oh no. My God. No, still no. The NetWizard made a suggestion that illustrated that there was a hack. 
The good news is that we were able to fix it and kick out the fraudulent Netflix elector. (laughs) Imagine my delight to discover that it was with that proud boy gone, all my easygoing stuff was back. A win. Uh, My pet tax is about my dog, Zach. We run a small farm and manage a small flock of sheep with our border collies. We also compete with them at sheep herding trials. I love those. Zach was my very best dog and a great partner. First picture of us is at a trial. Alas, he went deaf early and has been retired for several years now. He had always had a fixation with our cat, Fox, and only with him. He's staring at him as I write this. Now in retirement, he can spend all day and night looking at Fox, who has never minded much. In uh, one picture with two cats, Sam in my lap, Fox lower down, you can see that Zach only has eyes for Fox. <laughs> so happy to share pet tax and thanks for such an enjoyable and non-terrifying take on the news. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, what a great picture. Look at this. That is, that is, yeah, boy, he really likes that cat. Oh, my God, the last picture is hilarious. The cat's licking his head and he's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to, that's fine. If we're going to do this. Just go ahead. <laughs> oh, I just see like one of those hearts, like, you know, beating uh, over this photo. Oh, my God. That's so adorable. Kisses gives a doggy a bath and the dog's looking up at the cat like, oh, I love you. Yeah. Find yourself someone who looks at Fox the way this dog looks at Fox. That's all I have to say. Oh, for sure. It's so cute. Oh, thank you for all of these uh, submissions. Again, if you have anything, send it in at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact and we will read it on the air. And um, again, August 22nd, Monday, Largo, Los Angeles. Me, Kathy Griffin, Frangela, Midas Touch. How we win. It's howwewinlive.com. And uh, again, all your ticket, all the money for tickets goes right to the midterms, 100% of it. So that's it. That's the show. Do you have any last thoughts, final thoughts for today? Any last words? Any last words, Dana? No, I'm, I'm not today. Just I'm wishing you all the best. And uh, yeah, I missed you yesterday. And so it's nice to be back. Yeah, sorry, everybody. I was traveling yesterday. So I just recorded a little bit of news and, and uh, put up a couple of really great interviews. So I hope everybody enjoyed those. And um, yeah, boy, it's only Monday. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health, um, which apparently I need to do because I almost forgot that part. both blew over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. M-S-W-Media.